Philippians chapter 2. Today we're looking at verses 19 through 24 as we continue to make our way verse by verse through this Pauline epistle, Paul writing to the church there in Philippi. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24. If you would please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Here now the written word of the living God. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Pray with me, please. Father, this is your word. It is true in all that it says and teaches because you, God, are the supreme author. It is our only rule for faith and practice. It is truth in a world that is filled with lies. And Father, I pray that you would take this time, and Lord, as we see your will revealed, as you speak to us through the preached word of God, open our ears and our minds to the things of God. If there is one here who doesn't know you, draw that one savingly to yourself. May we see your goodness and your grace and your work, even today, in your servant Timothy. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. As you have gone through life, have you ever needed a letter of recommendation? A letter of recommendation. Maybe you needed one when you were starting college. You needed a character reference, someone to write and speak about your, your work ethic or your study habits because you wanted to go to, to that particular college. Or maybe you needed a letter of recommendation when you bought a house. I just did this. I needed a letter from my lender saying, yes, this person's credit is in order. Yes, this person qualifies for a loan. Maybe you've needed a letter of recommendation when you were applying for a job. People wanted to know about your character, your competencies, all the things that would be required for the job. In fact, this just happened with me, as you know, back in the fall when I went through the process with the pulpit committee. They wanted a list of references for me. They wanted to call other people and and talk to them about, about me in, in terms of hiring. We, we've all done this. We've all gone through this process. And as a pastor, and as a former youth pastor, I have written a ton of letters of recommendation for people over the years. And I've learned that sometimes they're pretty easy to do. Sometimes they're not that easy to do. You know, for instance, I might really love a person dearly, and that person might ask me to, to write this letter, but I'm looking at the job they're applying for, and, I'm, and I see that they're really just not qualified. I love the person, but they're really not gifted in that area, and it's a little harder to write that recommendation, but sometimes it's just easy. You find a person who's dependable, who's, who's diligent, hardworking, and it's easy to write a letter of recommendation for that person. But if you've ever had someone write a letter for you, 
Have you ever wondered, I wonder what that person said. I wonder what he really said or she really said about me when they wrote the letter. Was it good? Was it bad? Or have you ever hoped that the person writing your recommendation, they would say some high-level thing about you that would make you more desirable, more qualified maybe for the school or the job that you're pursuing? You know, we talk about recommendation letters this morning because I want you to know that a recommendation letter, that's what you're looking at in the text today. You see, as Paul is writing the book of Philippians, we've learned that he's stuck in a Roman prison. He's under Roman house arrest and he cannot get out of prison. But we also learn that those prison walls, they don't hinder Paul from being a good administrator. You see, the Apostle Paul, he was not only a loving pastor, he was a great administrator. And he knew that the Philippians needed some help. And even though he couldn't go to them because of his chains, he decided to send someone to those Philippians. He decided to send his very best. You see, Timothy wasn't just any man. He had been Paul's understudy. And in verse 19, look back at the text. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy, Timothy, to you very soon. Think about Timothy. He was the young man who had logged years and years of experience with the Apostle Paul. And through those years of service with Paul, God had trained him. He had grown him, he had shaped him, and matured him into a young man who was ready to take that next step. A man who loved God and loved his neighbor as his self. So as Paul, this great pastor administrator, as he is in prison wanting the Philippians to have Timothy, he picks up his pen and he starts to write this letter in Philippians chapter 2, and in this letter, he writes a letter of recommendation for Timothy. He wants the Philippians to know what kind of man they're going to get. And as Paul begins the letter, look at verse 20. I want you to see what he says in verse 20. The first few words he says, For I have no one like him. Wow. Wow. What a recommendation letter opening, if you will. As Paul begins to recommend Timothy to the Philippians, the first thing he says is, I have no one else like him. What a statement to make. Paul is saying, of all the people he's come in contact with, of all the the people he's worked with in ministry over the years, there is nobody else like Timothy. And I'm getting ready to send Timothy to you. You know, we all wish our recommendation letters would say something like that, don't we? There's only one of these people, and I'm getting ready to send him to you. Well, beloved, what makes Timothy so different? What makes him stand out above all the rest? What indeed makes him like no one else? Well, elders, deacons, and church of the living God, 
We need to let our ears be attentive today, to be alert today, because the answer to those questions, that's the outline of our sermon today. We're going to examine the servant Timothy. We're going to examine Paul's letter of recommendation, and we're going to see three qualities about Timothy that Paul displays in this letter of recommendation. Three qualities that set him apart. Three qualities that make him like no one else. The first one is his concern for other people. The second is his devotion to Christ. And then thirdly, his servant leadership. So his concern for others, his devotion to Christ, and then thirdly, his servant leadership. Look with me at verse 20, and we're going to find the first of those three points, his concern for others. Paul says, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Little history about Timothy. You remember where he shows up in the Bible? Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas had just left Jerusalem. They were on their second missionary journey. Paul second, Silas first with, with Paul. And they headed out and they headed towards a place called Lystra in Derby. And there they found young Timothy. And they learned that Timothy, he had been raised by his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And 2 Timothy teaches us that those two ladies taught him the word of God from infancy. And when they got to know Timothy and got to know people in the town, they they found that Timothy had a very good reputation. He came very highly recommended from those in the town. So Paul and Silas said, hey, Timothy, come on with us. We want you to join us. Go with us on this second missionary journey. And even though he was young, he went. And he followed them to Philippi. And he was even there when Paul and Silas started the church in Philippi when they suffered the persecution of being arrested and and beaten and put in shackles, when they experienced the demon-possessed woman, Timothy was there. They spent years together uh, uh, in ministry that that Timothy labored with Paul side by side as a minister of the gospel. And later, Paul would call Timothy his fellow worker, a fellow minister of the gospel of Christ. But years after serving the church, we find that Paul, again, was arrested, right, in Jerusalem. And he was sent ultimately to Rome. He was put under Roman house arrest. And in that prison, he realizes Timothy's now ready. He's now ready to go back to Philippi. And he prepares to send Timothy to the Philippians. Timothy, a man who's like no one else, says Paul. And the very first thing Paul says about him is this. Timothy has a genuine concern for other people. That's why he's qualified to come to you, his genuine concern. You know, this teaches us that Timothy was sympathetic. And it was a sympathy that wasn't forced. That he really cared for the flock of God. It wasn't something that was coerced or you didn't have to twist his arm. It was in Timothy's heart. He had a sense of care for the church. And like the Lord Jesus Christ, who we sang just a moment ago, the words were on the screen, Jesus, you shepherd me. Like Jesus and like Paul, his mentor, who was shepherding the church at Philippi by planning to send Timothy to them, 
Timothy had that shepherd's heart. There was something God had put in his heart, and that, Paul says, that's what sets him apart. That's what makes him like no one else. You know, this quality of concern for other people, as you examine this text in Philippians, it fits perfectly, specifically within the context of Philippians chapter 2. Do you remember a few weeks ago, we looked at verses 1 through 4 of Philippians chapter 2, and we learned that Paul teaches us to count each other more significant than ourselves, to look out for the interest of others. Verse 19 in this text, again, it teaches Paul's concern for the Philippians in just preparing to send Timothy. But back in verses 5 through 9, do you remember that text just two weeks ago? It was the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this, beloved. When you think about concern for others, the number one example we have in Scripture is that of Jesus Christ. In this same chapter here in Philippians, back in verses 5 through 9, it talks about Jesus. Though he was fully God, he decided to step out of glory and come all the way down to where we are, to robe himself in our flesh and blood, to undergo the weakness of man, to go through the temptation of sin, yet he sinned not. And he set his face towards Jerusalem, and he went to the cross, and he died for your sin, and he died for mine. It's because God had a great concern for other people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you. And just as Jesus gave himself for others, just as Paul was serving others, that same mindset, that same heart that was in Timothy. And Timothy said, yes, I will follow Christ by serving other people. I will truly love other people instead of living a life of selfishness, of pride, of arrogance. Timothy gave his life away for the benefit of others. I want to ask even the officers in the church, elders and deacons, we need to listen up to this. Because this genuine concern for others, this heart for people, according to Paul, that's one of the most important qualities you can find in an officer of the church. Peter, that disciple of Jesus, agrees with him. I want to read to you from 1 Peter chapter 5. Listen to this. Peter's talking to elders. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Here's what he says. Shepherd the flock of God. Jesus, you shepherd me, the Bible says. Well, his elders are called to be under shepherds, and we are to care for the flock of God. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. That means you don't have to be able to, you shouldn't have to twist an elder's arm to do that. There should be a willingness to do that. As God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Beloved, it's that heart that was in the heart of Timothy. It's that heart of willing shepherding that Timothy had. And he gives us an excellent example of how to live in front of our flock. So this is Paul's first point of recommendation. Timothy had a concern for others. But secondly, today, we see he also had a devotion 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse 21. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. You know, throughout Scripture, the Bible talks in many different books and many different places about a double-minded man. Think about James. James says, describes a man who wants to have one foot in with God and one foot in the world. Paul describes a man in Galatians who wants to have one foot in with God and another foot in with pleasing man. The Lord Jesus talks about this. He says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And he says, you can't serve God and money. A divided, double-minded man. You know, as Paul's writing Philippians, back in chapter 1, he, he had told us about a, a group of actually pastors in the Roman area who really were double-minded men. If you look back in chapter 1, he describes these pastors as people who preach Christ from envy and rivalry and not for their love for God. That they sought their own interests. John the Revelator would say it this way, they would have been men who had forgotten their first love. It's a slippery slope even for pastors. Maybe you've seen it in your life. As pastors, we are fallen, broken men as well. And the Bible says there's this temptation to start loving other things, loving selfish ambitions or vain conceits instead of loving our first love, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is talking about this double-minded man. But as Paul writes about Timothy, it's clear not only from this text, but throughout the entire New Testament, Paul is saying Timothy is not a double-minded man because he knew his first love. He was completely devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Timothy showed this forth in his life. And that doesn't mean Timothy was, there was, wasn't anything really special about him versus any other person. You know, Timothy was a human being just like we all are, having flesh and blood, having uh, falling, fallen, broken nature. He struggled with sin just like we do. But Timothy had decided that everything else was going to be second place and Jesus was going to be first. I'm sure he had family, he had work, he had activities, but Timothy knew this, to be the best family man, he needed to put Jesus first. To be the best working man, he needed to put Jesus first. Even in his own interests, his, his pastimes, he needed to put Jesus first. First, he needed to be completely devoted to Christ. And I'll tell you, may, uh, maybe in your life, I know in mine, I get those things out of order all the time. I do. It's so easy to put family, work, sports, vacation, self-interests, all in front of the Lord Jesus. Now, all of those things, they're good things. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things. But when we start putting those things in front of Jesus... 
in front of serving him fully and completely, they become idols. And we're reminded of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Here's a quote from James Montgomery Boyce. He summarizes this about Timothy. Listen to this. This is great. He said, Timothy's love for Jesus stood head and shoulders above those around him. It's easy to put other things first. You can give first place to your plans, your family, your successes, or pretty much anything else. But if you do, even those things are going to be distorted And you're going to miss out on life's greatest blessings from the Lord. But if you put Christ first, he says, other things will fall into place naturally. Beloved Timothy was not a double-minded man. He did not try to have one foot in the world and one foot in with God. He was completely devoted to Christ, and that was Paul's second point of recommendation. So we've seen that he has a concern for others. We've seen that he was devoted to Christ. We have one more, but before we do, I want you to do something with me. Let's just step back for a moment. And I want you to think about the text that Eric read just a moment ago. Eric read out of Matthew chapter 22. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? You remember the answer. Jesus said to love the Lord your God, right, with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, he said the prophets and the law, they hang on those two things right there. To love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. In light of that teaching of Jesus, I want you to think about what Paul just said about Timothy. Do you remember a moment ago when I asked you a question? I said, have you ever thought about a recommendation letter being written for you? And you would would think in your mind, maybe I want this person writing the recommendation. I want them to say some high-quality thing that's going to make that person at that college, that person at at that working place, make them want to hire me. Paul couldn't have given Timothy a higher recommendation, could he? Because Paul was saying to the Philippians, here's a man who loves God, who is devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's loving God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind. And by the way, he's putting that to practice in his life because he's going to go out and have a genuine concern for you. He's shown that over the years, this is the guy. He couldn't get a higher recommendation. That's why Paul says here, I've got no one else like him. This is his letter of recommendation. Now, beloved, let's bring it down a notch. Let's talk about the personal level. The personal level. How does this influence you and me? How are we to deal with this? Because Jesus' answers to those, that question, his, his answer of loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, of loving your neighbor as yourself, that's not just for Timothy. That's not just for Paul. That's not just for elders. That's not just for deacons. It's not just for officers in the church. It's for anyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ. That we are called to have that genuine devotion to God, that genuine love for other people. So we ask the question. I ask the question with you. If someone was writing a letter of recommendation for you, 
or for me, could they say about this person, he or she is devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he or she loves God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind, and that he or she loves his neighbor as himself or herself? Do we truly have a devotion to Christ and a concern for others? These are questions we constantly need to contemplate. But now that we've looked at those two, let's finally look at number three. There's one more quality about Timothy, and it's his servant leadership. Look at verse 22. You'll find it there. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel. His proven worth. He served with me in the gospel. If you're a child or a teenager here today, I want you to listen up. Because even though Timothy was just a young man, he did not let his youth deter him from being involved in ministry. Acts 16 says he was a young man, but he decided to even leave home and travel with Paul on that second missionary journey. Again, he was there when the church in Philippi started, so they were familiar with him. He even helped start the church in Thessalonica after they left Philippi. And he remained there when Paul was forced to leave. Timothy spent many days traveling, working for the sake of the gospel. And in doing so, he developed leadership. But it wasn't just any kind of leadership. It's what's called servant leadership. You see the text. Look at the text, verse 22. How a son with his father, he has what? Served. He has served with me in the gospel. You know, so many people in this world say that if you're talking about leadership over here, then service must be over here. It's at different ends of the spectrum. The leader is not someone who, who serves. This is categorized over here, and service is categorized over here. There's a separation. What does Jesus do with these two things? He binds them together. He binds service and leadership together. Think about what Jesus said in the book of Matthew. Jesus said, the last will be first, the first will be last. Jesus said of himself, again, and Jesus was the greatest leader who's ever lived. Jesus said of himself, I came, what, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Isn't it amazing that the sovereign God of the universe chose to lead his people, not by lording it over us with his power, but by serving us with his life. That's how Jesus led, and that's how Timothy led, because he followed hard after Jesus. Well, what did that mean for Timothy? That means Timothy, through servant leadership, had to do some very difficult things. I'm sure he had to be submissive, submissive to the apostle Paul. Paul probably asked him to do many, many difficult things. I'm sure it wasn't easy to stay in Thessalonica after Paul left. I'm sure it wasn't going to be easy for him to go to Philippi. He had to be sacrificial. 
Maybe put his personal plans to the side. But one of the most important things this text says, and listen closely to this, he worked well with others. In fact, he worked so well with Paul that Paul called him a son. Paul was like a father. He didn't fight against that. He worked well with others. He was humble enough to learn from other people. He wasn't bent on being independent or doing things his own way, but he cooperated for the good of the gospel. And such a mark of cooperation was a, was a sign of maturity in such a young, young man. And after Paul saw Timothy's obedience, his long-term obedience, his faithfulness, his, submiss- his submissiveness, his sacrifice, his cooperation that led Paul to write this letter of recommendation and say, this guy has proven worth because he indeed is a servant leader. Philippians know that. Know this about Timothy. He has concern for others. He has devotion to Jesus. And this guy He's a servant leader. Beloved, as we close today, I want to give a challenge to all of us here in this room. First of all, again, let me talk again to our children and our teenagers, if you're here this morning. We mentioned a moment ago, when Timothy started out in ministry, he was just a young man. But even though he was young, he saw the calling of God in his life. Paul would later tell him, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers. And he decided to be submissive, and he decided to cooperate and work well with others. He didn't live in rebellion against his parents. He didn't live in rebellion against the older generation within his church. Rather, he chose to work side by side with others for the sake of of the gospel. And then there was a time in Timothy's life where Paul said, I need you, man. I need you. I need you to go over here to Philippi. Can you do it? I need you to do this or do that. And when that happened, he was ready. My question to you as children and teenagers, can you do that? Is that spirit of being teachable, even by your parents, by those above you, is that in your heart? Are you living that way? I challenge you with that. But now that I've challenged children and teenagers, let's go to parents. <laughs> I can't leave you out. Parents, just as our children and teenagers should take note of Timothy, we should take note of Paul. Because you remember, it was a father-son type relationship there. We can't just talk to the son and not to the father, not to the parents, right? As Timothy served with Paul as a father figure, that means that Paul gave Timothy guidance, direction, what he needed in his life. He encouraged Timothy. He taught Timothy. He gave Timothy a model of how to emulate Christ. Paul would say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Parents, that's our callings with our children, with our grandchildren. Adults, that's our callings. That's our influence on the young people in this church. It's the power of influence. There's no greater power than your example. That's why Peter in 1 Peter 5, I just read it a moment ago, tells elders to be examples to their flock. It's the power of example, the power of influence. And our young people are going to look to us 
Our children are going to look to us. We need to give them that guidance, that direction, and point them to Christ. But finally, I want to talk to all of us. The church of the living God. Because we need to take note of this entire letter of recommendation. Remember, Paul said that there's no one else like him. And what set Timothy apart, again, his concern for others, his devotion to Christ, his servant leadership. And as we look at this, we see his devotion to Christ. That meant that Timothy lived out that first and greatest commandment. He loved God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind. He was not a divided man. He was decisive. He made his mind up to follow Jesus. And then secondly, he let that live out in his life. He loved other people as himself. He loved his neighbor as himself. He had a genuine concern for people. And then he led. He led with self-sacrificial, submissive service. He was willing to do hard things, and he did it while cooperating with other people. He was a team player. I told you all before, I've, I've been a coach for a long time, coached football for 10 years, and I know the value of what a team looks like. And I can see when, a, when a, you might have a great player who wants to do his own thing on a team, I can make the whole team crumble. Timothy wasn't going to act that way. He was going to be a team player. And remember what Paul said, there was no one else like him. And I think about that statement, and I think, you know what? That's really good. That's a really good recommendation for Timothy. But isn't that a little bit sad for the church? Don't we wish Paul could have said, I got 20 guys like him. Let me just send you one of those. It even showed a shortage of leadership within the church. Take note of that, beloved. God is calling us to this high calling. Concern for others, devotion to Christ, servant leadership. These are the true marks of leadership in the church. Let us pray to God through the power of his Holy Spirit that he will work out even these truths in our lives today in this world. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we come to